are continuing this morning our study of the home by God's design. We started a few weeks ago talking about God's design for the home and how that design and that intention and that plan for the home and for the family has been disregarded by our society. And we're seeing the ramifications of that in the world around us, of how we've thumbed our noses at how God designed and intended the family to be. Last week, we talked about the design for men in the home and how God places great responsibility on men to be the leaders of their families and to love their families like they should and to lead their family in ways of righteousness like God intended it. A poet once said, all husbands are the same. They just have different faces so you can tell them apart. And let us strive to not fit into that mold. Let us, as followers of Christ, be the husbands that God intends us to be, to be different from the husbands around us, to be what God would have us to be. This morning, we continue our discussion and look at this by studying God's design for women in the home. God has specific roles for women to fill and specific expectations for wives and mothers, and we want to look at that this morning. But before we begin that study, we have to establish a fundamental concept and truth from God's Word is that women are equal with men. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Paul writes, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus God views women and men as equals. Women have different roles than men, but women are equal to men. Now, feminism tells us that if women are not equal to men in their roles, then they're not equal. That if women don't have the same roles as men, then there is inequality. And that is not true. God gave men and women different roles, but God views men and women as equals. We need to understand that. You know, I have a different role at work than my boss, but he's not any more human than I am. He's not any more important than I am. We have different roles. You have a different role than the president, but you're no less human than the president. And you're no less of value in God's eyes. When we have different roles, it doesn't mean that we're somehow inferior. God views us all as equals. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, we looked at this last week. So ought men to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Men, we can't view women as inferior, as subservient. We need to view all as equal. And many times I'm afraid that some of the jokes that we might tell about women or that women might tell about men indicate that we might view some as inferior, and that is simply is not the case. God has given women specific roles to fill and specific obligations, and let's look at those quickly. I want to tell you that perhaps no verse in the Bible or no passage in the Bible is more succinct in summarizing those roles than the passage that Joseph just read for us in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. In Titus chapter 2, 
Verse 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The women were told to be taught certain things. Let's look at what they were told to be taught. First off, they were told that they need to love their husbands. In Titus chapter 2, look at verse 4, that they may teach the young women to love their husbands. This is interesting. This Greek word that is translated love your husbands is the, the Greek word philandros. And it's a compound word made up of two other Greek words, words that, well, one of those words you know, and that is the word phileo. That is the, the word that we use for brotherly love. Philadelphia, phileo, brotherly love. Fondness, kindness. And andros is the Greek word for men. Phileo andros, lover of men. A woman is to love her husband. She is to be affectionate as a wife, the word means. Women, it is interesting, are taught to be taught to love their husbands. This is a command. And it's not just some type of emotion that you just fall into love with your husband. No, you can be taught to love your husband. There are no qualifiers on this. There are no qualifiers. Love your husband if he still has, can wear the same size pants that he wore when you, date, when you met him. Love your husband if his hair is still as plentiful and dark as it was the day you met him. Love your husband if he treats you exactly how you can envision you want to be taught, uh, treated by a husband. Love your husband if he's honorable and he does everything perfect. No, women are to be, to be taught to love their husbands, to have this fondness, to have this affection regardless. This is the idea of having fondness or friendship or affection for your husband, and it is something that can be taught. God created women to be that friend, that companion of men, that they are taught to be fulfilling in their role. In Genesis chapter 2, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Woman was created to be that friend of man to have that affection for her husband. And women are taught to be, or to be taught to, be, to love their husbands. There are no conditions again on this. 
And it's not just an emotion that happens. This is a love that is decided upon. A love that you can make up your mind to have for your husband. And as we looked last week at the love that a man is to have for his wife, that again is a command. It's not just something that happens to a man. That, oh, I just happen to love my wife. No, this is a command. A man's command to love his wife is not predicated on conditions, nor is a woman's command to love her husband predicated on conditions. No, we're told to love our spouses. A woman is to love her husband. But furthermore from this passage, we also see that a woman is to love her children. Back in Titus chapter 2, verse 4, uh, that she is to be taught to love her children. This again is a compound Greek word, phileo tanakos. I need to stop trying to pronounce Greek words, but that is that phileo, and then the last half of that is the word for children. Fondness of her children. Maternal love of her children. This is interesting. This appears to be different than the natural affection that we read about in Romans chapter 1. Natural affection, affection that a woman would normally have for her children, this seems to be different because this is something that's taught. This isn't that natural affection that you just have. This is something that is taught. This needs to be different. And it is a learned trait to be fond of your children. Women, are you fond of your children? Do you view your children as a blessing from God that they are? I know that the day-to-day care of your children and the day-to-day disciplining and instructing of your children become very burdensome and tiresome, but do you remember that your children are a blessing from God? Do you, are you fond of your children or do you sometimes wish you never had them? Are you fond of your children or do you wish that you just didn't have to do so much for them? Are you fond of your children or you, do you dream of the day that they're gone and out of your hair? Again, children are, are, are a lot of work. But God says that women need to love their children. This passage also tells us that women are to be discreet. Back in our context in Titus chapter 2, they are to teach the young women to be discreet. This Greek word means to be safe or sound in mind, self-controlled, moderate as to opinion or passion, discreet, sober, temperate. This is a similar form of the word that is translated earlier in this context as sober. So when we put together the, the, the word and the instruction to be sober and to be discreet, we get the picture of a woman who is in control of her emotions, a woman who is in control of her passions, a woman who has self-control. It is the same word that is translated sober for elders and temperate for the older women in verse 2 of Titus chapter 2. The idea that this woman is going to have control of her emotions or her passions We would expect this from men, wouldn't we? We would say that a man needs to have control of his temper, 
that a man can't just let his emotions run all over him and, and lose his temper and get red-faced and fly off the handle and be out of control. No, the woman, a man needs to have control of those emotions. Well, so it is for a woman. A woman needs to have control of her emotions as well. And this is a challenge for both men and women, but we need to understand God expects us to have self-control, to be in control of ourselves and of our emotions. A woman is told that she needs to learn to be discreet. A woman needs to have control of her emotions in the home and in the family. We know by experience, don't we, that when we don't control our emotions, when we allow our emotions to dictate how we treat others in the family, that great harm can be done. God expects and instructs women to be discreet. God also instructs and expects women to be chaste in our context. In Titus chapter 2, verse 4. Titus chapter 2, verse 4, I think I can write down in verse 5, that the woman is to be chaste. This instruction, this word means uh, to be clean, figuratively to be innocent, to be modest, to be clean, to be pure. We know what this is talking about, don't we? A woman is to have pure conduct. She is to <coughs> be morally pure. Purity is not something that's common in our society today, is it? Purity is not something that is expected in our society today. In fact, the expectation in our society today is that you won't be morally pure. And that even a, a married woman won't be morally pure. Yet God says that women must be pure, must be chaste, must be modest. Modesty is wrapped up in this idea as well. Women, you need to be careful about how you conduct yourselves. God expects you to be careful and instructs you to be careful about how you conduct yourself morally. You need to be careful about how you conduct yourself when you're around men. The things that you talk about around men, you need to be careful about that. You need to be careful about the things you talk about around women as well. God expects women to be pure morally. And let me uh, include in that, we talked about this idea of modesty, that modesty is wrapped up in this idea of purity. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in 1 Peter chapter 3, notice how, how closely this idea of moral purity and modesty is connected with how I conduct myself, how I present myself in my apparel. And it, 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 it shows my attitude toward how, towards how I embrace my responsibilities in the family. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. You know, if I am a woman and my husband's an unbeliever, and I want desperately to impact him and influence him to follow Christ. How do I do that? Well, Peter says what you do is you live a pure life so that he can see my wife is dedicated to God and I know that she's dedicated by the moral purity that she has, that she lives a chaste life. Go on. 
whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Peter says, don't live in such a way that you're trying to draw attention to yourself, either by putting on fancy clothing and jewelry, or, as is common in our society today, taking off fancy clothing. Don't draw attention to yourself. Show the way that you dress, that you are striving to live a life that's morally pure. That's how you live to impact your husband. And that's how you show that you embrace your role that God has designed. Notice this, the last verse, verse 5. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. You know how a woman trusts in God. You know her attitude in God partly by how she adorns herself. And you know her attitude to her husband, partly by how she adorns herself. God wants women to be chaste, be morally pure. And our society today places no value on that, but God places great value on that. The passage goes on and says that God's design for the home is that the woman is to keep the home. Back in Titus chapter 2, verse 5. That she is to be taught to be keepers at home. This doesn't mean that a woman can't leave the house, that she has to keep at home. No, she has to keep the home. Her responsibilities are domestic. She needs to be uh, responsible for the things of the home and the upkeep of the home. Can a woman work outside of the home and have a job outside of the home? Certainly she can. This passage doesn't forbid that. We see other passages that indicate that would be okay, but her primary responsibility, her God-given responsibility, is to keep the home. We'll look at another passage here in just a minute that indicates that a woman could be active outside the home, but her primary responsibility is to keep the home. Again, the feminist movement has degraded this. If someone says, I'm a homemaker, there are a lot of women who look down their noses and, oh, what a failure you are. No. If you're a homemaker, if you're keeping the home, you're fulfilling your God-given responsibility. Our world has turned things on their ear and turned things upside down, and yet this is God's instruction for women. And God wants women to be obedient to their husbands. Back in our passage again. Again, it's not a politically correct thing, but the passage says in, second, in Titus chapter 2, verse 5, that a woman is to be obedient to their own husbands. Perhaps this is the most difficult instruction in the instructions that Paul is outlining for women here, to be obedient to their husbands. It's not easy, I know. But it is the instruction that God has given. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, the instruction is reiterated. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Women are to be in submission to their husbands. 
And I know that's not easy. But we must be reminded that a man, if he's leading his wife like he should, is making every decision out of selfless love and best intentions for his wife. But a wife is told to be obedient. And it's interesting that this obedience is parallel with the obedience that the church must have for Christ. Now try this on for your obedience to Christ. You know, I'll obey you, Christ, if I agree with what you've told me to do. I'll, I'll do that. Christ, I'll obey you in my life if what you tell me to do is what I already wanted to do. Then I'll agree and I'll obey. Christ, I'll obey you, but I'm not going to like it. Christ, I'll obey you just because that's what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not happy one bit about it. Would that work in our obedience to Christ? No, it wouldn't. And women, are your obedience to your husband has to mirror the obedience that a Christian would have for Christ. Again, not easy all the time. And men, we can help our wives to be obedient if we're leading in ways that show their best interest at heart. But the instruction is that women must be obedient to their husbands. And finally this morning, Titus chapter 2 verse 5 says that women are to be good representatives of the Word of God by the way that we live in our families by the relationship that we have with our husband and with our children and how we fulfill those responsibilities and how we present ourselves as morally pure and discreet. By the way that we live our lives, we are representatives of God and His Word, and a woman must be a good representative of the Word of God. Notice this in Titus chapter 2, verse 5, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. This is how important your assumption and fulfilling of the roles that God has given you is. Because if you claim to be a Christian and yet aren't living like you should in your family, and if you're not being the wife and mother that God has designed and called you to be, then you can reflect poorly on the Word of God. Back in 1 Peter chapter 3, the passage that we looked at earlier Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. The way that you live your life impacts others around you. Specifically here in this passage, it impacts your husband. And it either encourages your husband to live as he should for God, or it discourages that you are impacting the way that others view God. We need to understand this principle. The woman is to love her husband, to love her children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to keep the home, to be obedient to her husband, to be a good representative of the Word of God. Challenging instructions, but so vitally important as we strive to have the family that God has designed. God designed the family. And therefore, if God gives us instructions on how to have a happy and successful family, we need to be embracing those instructions. We need to be striving to, to do them is, to the best of our ability because we realize that God's instructions are for our good. And God hasn't made these instructions for men or women because He wants our families to be a failure. You know what I think? Uh, God's, God's thinking, so, you know what? 
I'm going to make instructions for women on how they ought to live as wives and mothers. It's just going to make them miserable because I just want to do that. No, God loves us. And he's given us the instructions he's given us because they're for our good. He wants to bless us in our families. And to conclude this morning, I want to look at one passage that's famous with us. Famous and, and we all know. Proverbs chapter 31, because I believe Proverbs chapter 31 and the woman that is described there embodies the instructions that we've looked at this morning and models those instructions for us. In Proverbs chapter 31, look at verse 10. Proverbs 31, verse 10, we know this passage, we refer to it as the, the, the description of the virtuous woman. Proverbs 31, verse 10, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her, hus her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruits of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good, her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he setteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up, and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her, of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates." That, brethren, is the description of a wife well-lived. That is the description of a successful woman. A woman who realizes her responsibilities and her God-given role and embraces them fully and is diligent in fulfilling them. The woman is so vital to the home and the design that God has for it. Let us be embracing that. And those instructions, whether men or women, let's embrace the instructions that God has given us so our families can be what they should be. And finally, one observation to make. In Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 2, instructs the aged women that they are the ones who are to be teaching the younger women. And I know better than to say that we have any aged women in our audience this morning. But we have women who are older than others. And every woman here is older than some. And I would encourage women to be modeling these behaviors 
and helping other women to embrace the role that God has designed for them. God says that younger women need the help of older women. Let's be working to give that to each other. Let us all be encouraging each other to be the type of people we should be in our families because it is so vitally important. The world around us is suffering because they don't have families like God intended them to have. We can't let our families suffer because we haven't read and and learned God's will and applied it in our lives. What about you this morning? Are you devoted to assuming the role that God has given you, the instructions that God has given you in your family, in your lives in general? Are you living for God in every way, in every aspect of your life? If you're not this morning, we would encourage you to make a change, and if we can help with that, let us know while we stand and sing.